We're glad you joined us today. We know the road may feel isolating, but we are here to go along this journey with you and love the call to action. Rock Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We're going to join together and chat about all things military life. So you know the drill. Rock Up Buttercup! Hey everyone, welcome back to Rock Up Buttercup. We're so glad to have so many awesome listeners and we hope that you, if you're going through a deployment and hanging out with us, that you've joined us on Facebook. We have a Deployed Love Hearts Connected group and that is where you can find your battle buddies and people that are going through the same thing as you. So this month, if you have are on our pages, you'll notice that we've been giving out some really great resources um, to help you on your journey through the military life. Some of those are military resources. Some of them are outside of the military. Um, today, Ashley and I have a guest that you may have seen from our recent webinar that was on our Deployed Love Facebook page. Yeah, so we are super excited to have Scarlett back here with us again today and to dig a little bit more into how the Choose Love movement can be used in our military family homes. So a little bit about um, Scarlett's background. So Scarlett Lewis, if you haven't heard, she is an amazing woman and one of her and one of the parents of the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, she went through an unbelievable tragedy that we can't even imagine having to endure, but um, choose to take her grief and bring something to schools, communities, and families across the nation to help them come out of those difficult times that they may have endured. So Scarlett started what is called the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement and has been working since to make sure that our awesome equation helps others. So welcome, Scarlett. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. So for today, we've decided to kind of break down your your equation and see how that we can make this work best for the military community because we've seen it work in our within our board and everything since we started using it and we're really excited. So the first part of your equation is courage. So we're going to ask you, how do military spouses, military families choose courage when it comes to facing the many things that military brings? I mean, we face things from movements and having to make new friends to even the real possibility of deaths during deployments and exercises. Yeah, absolutely. What an incredible question. First of all, I want to say that science tells us that courage is like a muscle. We can, we can grow courage. We can strengthen our courage and courage is the most important character value to focus on because it's the one that underlies all the rest. And I think that before we go into courage, it's really important to remember that we can't always choose what happens to us in life. You know, you're talking about moves. You're even talking about death. We, we, we can't always choose <laughs> what happens to us. However, we can choose how we thoughtfully respond to what happens to us. That's when we can take our personal power back. That's when we can be in control through our thoughtful responses. And when we're fearful, we feel like we have no control in our lives. Things happen to us. And one of the things that we can do is to get into the present moment, the present moment right now where life is actually happening. Cause a lot of times we're thinking about what happened in the past or we're fearing or planning for the future. But if we're in the present moment, we can turn and we can face what's happening and we can choose our response. And that gives us our personal power back. It brings our locus of control from outside, from things happening to us, to us making things happen. And that makes us feel better. 
Yeah, I think being present, especially when, you know, you can only plan so much. Deployments come and that causes so much anxiety because you're like, oh, I need to make sure this is ready. This is ready. This is ready. But there's only so much you can do. Um, you just have to, at some point, step back and not let that stress take over your entire life because your kids feel it. And if they're feeling your anxiety over upcoming events, that's just not great for your whole household. It's true. I think that's a really good point, Sabrina, that, that I learned too, during my experience at Sandy Hook, when I, when my six-year-old son was murdered and I I realized, you know, I have a a 12-year-old son at the time he was 12. So six years older than his younger brother. And I realized actually waiting for the news of whether Jesse was coming back or not at the firehouse, which was at the end of the cul-de-sac with the school, I realized in the moment, because my 12-year-old son was right there, that I was leading by example, that I was modeling for him what courage looked like in chaos, uh, how to face difficulty, roadblocks, even tragedy and trauma for the rest of his life. I was teaching him in the moment. And that realization helped me rise to the occasion. It helped me be the best version of myself when I realized that he was watching everything that I did. And that's, it's, it's important to remember that verbal verbal communication is only 40% of how we communicate. The rest is facial expression. It's gesticulation. It's even energy. And when we remember that we're modeling in everything that we do for our children, and we think about how we want them to thoughtfully respond, it helps us be the best version of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's a lot of benefits. I know we were reading on your website to having courage. It's not just like helping your children get through hard times. There's a lot of benefits for your, your mental health, a lot of benefits for yourself when you do choose to, you know, look at things with more courage and not get so stressed out about things and not let things bother you so much. Oh my gosh. There's so many scientific benefits. Um, you think about, well, I mean, it's obvious in the military life why you want to practice your courage, but there are so many scientific benefits to practicing courage. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it helps physically, mentally, and emotionally, you know, the, uh, the scientific benefits, benefits of courage are so many when we practice our courage, we have more confidence. Courage helps us create a sense of leadership. It helps us to be upstanders. So instead of bystanders that stand around when bad things happen, we actually get involved. It makes us feel good. It helps us master our emotions. It helps us accomplish things. It helps us overcome fear. It supports us in finding balance and it even counters bad behavior. So there's so many scientific benefits to practicing courage. And maybe one of the most important ones is that it, it helps cultivate hope. Yeah, I. this one is the one that speaks to me the strongest, especially during these times of rapid deployments. As many know who are in the military community, these have happened a little f- more frequently than they have in the past several decades. So I never realized how much I actually practiced this until these activations. And as a lot of our listeners know, I'm also an SFRD advisor. So that means I am a contact point for family members um, within the company level. And 
the amount of families and parents who are just like, thank you for what you do. How are you holding up? And I'm just like, I, I just put on that face of like, you know, I, I know everything's going to be okay. I have to take, I have to do that for my family. I have to do it for my own family. I have two small kids. So knowing that I have to embrace, not embrace it. I don't know if that's the correct word, but you know, knowing that, you know, this is, this is a part of my life. Like it's not going away. Like we're in a military community. We have to deal with these things. We have to deal with deployments and um, the unknown. I mean, that's what the military is. It's the complete unknown of the world. We never know what's going to happen. And really just taking that step forward and taking a deep breath and just be like, okay, let's handle this one task at a time and let's do it with the absolute best that I can muster at that moment in time. And I do. I feel like I radiate courage and I radiate leadership and that I'm fine and I'm stress-free, but you know, a lot of times in the inside, you're not doing that. You know, you're screaming like, what is happening now? But this one is definitely me right now with the whole courage and trying to just level everything out and just take it one step at a time. You know, I think it's helpful when we tell ourselves and it's true that every experience that we face is teaching us. It's, it's helping us grow. It's strengthening us and it's, it's leading us to the point where we can handle the next thing that comes along. And I realize that in my own life. As I look back on difficulties that I experienced, that I faced, that I got through by the hair of my chinny chin chin, you know, that type of thing. But, um, but they did strengthen me to be able to face, you know, the death of my son. And I, I look back and I realize if I hadn't had those previous difficulties, I may not have developed the resilience within myself. And we do build resilience to be able to face, you know, what was coming down the pike. And there, there are different ways that we can do that. And one of the, one of the favorite of our kids is the brave breath, but I do that too. Breathing is so important. Breathing is, is, is how we live. Mm -hmm. And so, um, focusing on your breath can get you back into the present moment and just give you that moment that you need when you're feeling overwhelmed. Positive affirmations also work because you can have those fears that enter into your head and, you know, the, the, this little voice that is chiding you and telling you that things aren't going to work out and you can literally turn that voice around. And I, I write positive affirmations to counter what that little inner voice tells me. And you can literally rewire your brain with those positive affirmations. I am courageous. I am capable. I am doing this. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, we know like having courage alone can really help make military life feel much easier because I mean, like we were saying, like you do have to kind of embrace the the lifestyle and know that at times you're going to be alone at times there's going to have, you're going to have scary thoughts. So that next part of the equation is gratitude. And so when we think of gratitude, we think of things that apply so much to the military life and like the Murphy Murphy law, which if you're part of the military lifestyle, you know, Murphy law loves to hit families at the worst possible time. 
I'm waiting for it to happen. And during there's deployments or long training exercises. So how can we use gratitude to help us look at the positive side of military lives? Well, I always look at gratitude as the great mind shifter. So we, we were just talking about all of those negative thoughts that go through our mind and they, and they happen to everybody. Our mind has a negative bias. It's woven into our DNA. We focus on the negative. In fact, in all human beings, the majority of our thoughts are negative and repetitive. And there's a reason for that. It is actually to keep us safe. Our brains are, are their, their number one priority is to keep us safe. So we have all of these negative thoughts that can overtake us and we can use gratitude as what I call the great mind shifter. So you can, the interesting thing is, you know, we've got tens of thousands of thoughts every day between 70 to 80% are negative and over 95% are repetitive. But the interesting thing is you can only focus on one thought at a time. So you can use gratitude when you're ready to shift out of that lower energy, fearful, negative, resentful, angry thought process into a higher energy thought process. You can use gratitude and you can think of something that you're grateful for. There is always something to be grateful for in every situation even in my situation, when my young son was murdered, I had my family that gathered all around me to support me for as long as I needed. I had my older son. Um, I, I still had so many blessings in my life. So there's always something to be grateful for. And, and gratitude can really help shift those thoughts into more positive ones. And that can strengthen you. Yeah. And I know it's kind of hard to like, think of those thoughts of yourself when you're in the depths of it. Right. And like getting back to that, but I think that there's ways to do that too, that I've heard around the world, like sticky notes, putting those on your mirror in your, your bedroom, putting them on the door. When you leave the house, um, even the background of your phone could have something that, you know, you're really grateful for. So that you're always seeing those things and picturing them because I know that, I mean, I just finished a deployment as well. And there were just weeks where I was just angry and just mad all the time because they, everything was stressful and I was tired of doing it alone. And it really just came down to like looking at my kids and being like, okay, we're going to the park. And I, because I'm grateful that I still get to spend time with you, that we have time to be together and I need to be grateful for that. So it's just like having little reminders around your house can be super helpful, especially during deployment. And it could be something that you do with your spouse, honestly, before they leave, like have them help you write little things that you guys are both grateful for. So that as you're walking around the house, not only that, but it's going to remind you of your spouse, which is always feels good when you're in the middle of it. So I had somebody deliver a gratitude jar and they were little ceramic hearts and they had different things to be grateful for. So when I really, really needed help with gratitude, I would take one of those out. Another thing that you can do is um, practice the get to versus the have to, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a big one for me, especially when it's the opposite, when people tell me that, that they they have to do something with their kids or they have to take their multiple kids somewhere. Or they have to do laundry for their kids. I always think, wow, you get to, you, you get to. So when you, when you hear yourself saying, I have to, I have to say, I get to, I get to, that's really helpful too. 
Yeah, I think with the gratitude, especially like when you're when you feel like the entire universe is against you and you're like, why does this keep happening? Like, for instance, like the last time he rap- rapidly deployed um, within what, 48 hours, had a pipe burst in my front yard. My car stopped working. Both my daughter and myself woke up with like really bad colds. And so it can feel and, and this happens to several spouses. Like this is a very common occurrence across the world like they leave and then it just seems like all hell breaks loose and I laughed when all of mine happened I was just like of course this is gonna happen like pipe is broken my car is not broken you know I was like I think I have another vehicle yes I had to like work to go pick it up from where he worked but it was it's you know sometimes we laugh and sometimes we just sit there and cry with a with a box of chocolate and you know I tell all my family it's like you know, we'll get through this. You have, you have me, you have so-and-so we got this, like who needs the boys? You know, we're strong women. We can handle it. Even though we were like, yeah, like I have a bird in my grill right now that now I have to go take care of. And I don't like that, that I have to go deal with something super yucky, but I'm like, you know, my son made me laugh so hard yesterday. Cause you know, we were talking about the activation and he's like, well, mom, it looks like you have to handle the bird. And so it was just a super funny, like totally need that moment. And you're like, you're right. What looks like we're going to have to handle the bird. Are you going to help me? He's like, absolutely. So we, we just were like, okay, we'll handle, we've got the situation. We, you know, and we'll figure it out. And that's just how life goes, I guess. And, you know, it sounds like it's strengthening your relationship with your son. And there is, there is the scientific concept of post-traumatic growth. And we literally grow through difficulty. And and this is all science as well. I mean, we strengthen ourselves. We can grow our optimism. We grow our abilities. So the next thing that comes along, we know we can do it. We grow our resilience. When we experience post-traumatic growth, we strengthen relationships, which we just talked about. Opportunities and possibilities open. We may deepen our spirituality. There's so many benefits of having to go through difficulty because literally that's how we're shaped and molded as human beings. It's not through the birthday parties, although those are great. It is through the difficulties. That's how we're strengthened. That's how we're shaped and molded into the individuals that we're going to become. So even for your children, you know, reminding them, Hey, you know, you're going to have to step up now and help your mom and let's have fun doing this. Of course, you know, that that's a huge mantra of the choose love movement is having a lot of fun. We want to intersperse that with everything that we do. It's so important and also important to help us be strong and continue to grow. Yeah. I know that being able to step back during your difficult times and still look at good things can seem like it's really hard, but I think once you start doing it, it becomes, you know, just everyday part of your life, the more often you do it. So um, just being mindful and thinking about being present in your life is very, very important. So moving on to the third step of the choose love movement is to choose forgiveness. And I know that in your situation, that was really, really hard part for you to do. And it, it, but it was something you needed to do. You needed to do it for your mental health and for you to be able to move on with your family and 
live your life and continue your life. In the military life, this stuff is really hard because I think that as spouses being left behind during military trainings and deployments, there's tend to be major resentment that gets built up. You hear about it during those times and the forgiveness is something that we need to work on more. I think as a military spouse group, we need to learn how to realize this is their job and not hold that against them because they're just doing what they signed up to do. And I think it can build a lot of a healthy, strong relationship if we all learn how to be more forgiving, not only of our spouses, but of military spouses as well, that we're in our network, you know, because sometimes they go through hard times, say things they don't mean to say, but they're just stressed out and being able to bring forgiveness that way as well. Well, that's a, that's a really good point, Sabrina, because when you look at the science behind forgiveness, um, really the number one benefit is healthier relationships. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Harvard university did a lifespan study and found that healthier relationships were the key to happiness. And it's probably not surprising to your listeners, but forgiveness is a big part of healthy relationships, not just forgiving others, but also forgiving ourselves for mistakes that we make because everybody makes mistakes. And uh, forgiveness is a big part of the formula for choosing love. And uh, it was a big part of my life and continues to be. I chose to forgive the the shooter that murdered my six-year-old son. And I, people are astonished by that. But if you look at the science behind the benefits of forgiveness, it's really the only choice that I could make for myself. A lot of times we feel like, oh, it's a gift that I'm going to give somebody who doesn't deserve it because they hurt me because they don't care. They didn't say they were sorry. Maybe they don't even know that they hurt you, but it's interesting to learn that forgiveness is really something that we do for ourselves. It helps us have when we make that choice, because initially it is just a choice, right? And then And then it becomes a process. You may have to forgive again and again. That's okay because we have less anger. You know that uh, that saying resentment or anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I mean, it's so we have less anger, less resentment when we forgive. We have less anxiety, stress, and hostility. It's better for our physical health. We have less depression, stronger immune systems. That's really important right now. Higher self-esteem. It even helps us live longer. So forgiveness is really important. And one of the, one of the things that we teach in the program that, that is a favorite is called cutting the cord. And when you are angry at somebody or you resent them, it's literally like you have a string (laughs) or or a cord. I said, for me, it was like an umbilical cord that came out of my side and ran into the side of the, the shooter that, that, um, murdered 26 people at Sandy hook and all of my personal power drained out of me in the form of anger and resentment through this cord and into the shooter. And I dragged him around with me everywhere, (laughs) even into the bathroom because I was giving him control over my thoughts. I was constantly angry that then impacted how I felt that then impacted how I showed up in my relationships and how I behaved. So he, I was actually giving this shooter, this really troubled young man, (laughs) this mass murderer 
control over me. And I didn't want to do that. So, and that's what resentment and anger over anything does. It's giving that other person or that situation control over you. And really the only way in, in some situations that you can take your personal power back, your control back is to forgive, is to make that choice. And for me, visually, it was like a big set of, set of scissors. I took those scissors. I cut that cord that attached me to pain. All my personal power ran back into me. It felt so good. But then of course I do fall back into anger, you know, on anniversaries and birthdays and holidays. And that's when I take a step back, I take a deep breath and I forgive again. Forgiveness is probably the most misunderstood character value. And it's probably also one of the most important. You see how these all kind of are going together, the, the courage that it takes to face what is going on in your life and, and not resist and avoid or even numb yourself. It takes courage to do that. Courage to be grateful. Uh, we talked about gratitude, even when things aren't going your way, but that literally strengthens you to consider forgiveness and forgiveness. This is all empowering yourself. It gives you your personal power back and it puts you back in control. And I don't know about you, but that's where I feel comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that we were talking a little bit back about positive affirmations. And I think that works really well in with forgiveness because you, uh, at least in the military side, you get resentful because you're doing all, all the chores alone. You're doing all the doctor's appointments alone, it's all having to fall on you and you may have a job, you may have other things that are already something you're already dealing with, you know? And so you feel really resentful to your spouse because you're like, why should I have to take on all this extra stuff for your job when you don't, you know, you don't take on this extra stuff when I do my job. And so I think stepping back and being like, oh wait, positive affirmations. I'm awesome. I can do my job and I can take the kids to this appointment and it'll be just fine. And I'm strong enough to carry this couch down the stairs that we need to sell. I am, you know, like all these things that need to happen. I can do that. Yeah. It's like, I don't need to have to worry about him being here because I'm awesome. Right. I'm a military spouse. I have grown resilience and strength and I shouldn't be blaming my husband for not being here. I should be enjoying the things that it teaches me to grow through. I mean, I've become so independent because of this. And a lot of spouses don't get that independence because they aren't forced to be in hard situations annually. You know, it's literally annually in my life where I have to be in these situations where I have to choose to grow and I have to choose to take care of the situation and not choose stress, not choose the anxiety of it. Just letting myself. I mean, I've, I've moved like whole houses without my husband when he was gone. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that is something with the military. That is like the most important thing. Like you, you will become resilient. You will become a strong, independent person if you choose to let it happen that way. I mean, cause you'll, you'll see spouses who are just, just stay in that negative. Like I, I can't do this alone. I'm, I'm crying every day. I, I need the support and it's fine to support and it's okay to cry. Like it's okay to have those moments. You do, you have to grow and learn from it and, and be able to do those things, you know, handle those things that those, your husband may have done for you. Honestly, it's going to help show to your spouse that they can leave you 
if they need to and not have to worry that you're going to just stay in a corner in the fetal position. Like they're going to know that if they have to go and they have to answer the call because that's their job, that you are going to be okay and they don't have to worry about you at home. And I think that's the biggest thing I can give to my husband. He knows that I can like one way or another, I'll figure it out. Whether that means I'm calling a friend to be like, hey, send your husband over. I need help with this. Whether that means I'm calling family and being like, hey, I need I need someone to come help me move and we can handle everything. And it, it makes his job so much better and so much easier knowing that he doesn't have to worry about what's happening at home. Yeah. And I think the funny, the things that are the most stressful in the moment are so funny to look back on because I literally did this last deployment. We've got new couches and I shoved our entire um, big sectional couch up the stairs by myself. The kids are laughing because I'm just like, I will get you up here. And they're just like, what is happening? <laughs> but I can do it. So it's going to, it's funny. So you see how you're, you, you get stronger and I love how you bring humor into it because that shows your strength, but you also have to, I feel like, especially in the line of the military, because things just happen and you're just like, what? Like you have to see the humor side to it, to be completely honest. Yeah. That's definitely part of resilience, being able to have uh, a somewhat of a sense of humor, (laughs) not rainbows and unicorns, but optimism that leads to optimism and hope. And that's so important. I mean, the flip side, and I think that the flip side also grows on itself when you are resentful and you're angry, that actually does weaken you and you feel like you're not capable and you, you start telling yourself that, and that can grow into a sense of victimization. Like I'm not in control. I can't do this. And, and if you're there, you can turn that around. You can start working on your courage, the courage to, to face that difficulty. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but, but it is, it it is cumulative and it's like building muscles. You know, you have to rip and tear the muscle before it gets bigger. And it's the same with courage. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that when you're in it, you know, like I laugh now about that couch, but man, was I stressed out and it was hard and I, you know, but I could have been like, no, I quit. I'm just leaving this here, but you have to, yeah, you have to just push through and you get stronger through it by getting through those hard times and teaching yourself to be more resilient. I think also like making and making, making sure that you're self-aware that you don't have to do things alone. It is okay to ask for help. I used to be that person where I'd be like, I got this. I can handle this all on my own. And over the years, I mean, as a veteran spouse, I mean, I've been a spouse for 11 years. My husband's been in for almost 13 years. I grew up military. I've been like, I will be the first person to be like, absolutely. You want to offer help? Come on. Like, I will take all the help I can get. My family is like, do you need me to come? I'm like, at the moment in time, no, but I will keep you posted if that changes. It's okay to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of you can't handle it. It is a sign to know that you know that what you're capable of and everybody needs help. Every single person on this earth needs some help, whether it's a person to listen to, a person to help like come watch your kids for an hour so you can shower and have a moment of peace. It is okay. And um, I think we talk about this a lot on this podcast that it is okay to ask for help. It's okay to 
ask your friend to come over and watch the kids for a few minutes. It's okay for you to offer the help for another spouse, but um, don't be afraid because I mean, if you can't find the help at that moment in time, it will come eventually. So, and, and it kind of moves into our next section, the very last piece of the um, choose love movement equation, which is compassion and action. We want to pull this step into a little bit more of the communi military community and all the other spouses you have encountered during the time in the military family. So Deployed Love feels that this step is why we exist. As, as our organization, we provide community outreach programs to families um, currently at night, 10 installations. So how do you, we take the compassionate component and work it into our community to go through difficult times? And this is so essential because communities with people that help each other, that reach out, that, that as you say, Ashley can ask for help, but can also offer help communities with volunteerism recover more quickly. It's just the bottom line that people who are, are willing to be there for one another. I mean, it makes common sense. They do better. And, uh, you know, so, so you're right, um, Ashley, when you say lean on one another, listen to what other people are, are saying, don't listen to respond, but really listen to hear, listen to what they need, not what you think they need. Um, this is, and one of my favorite things is asking, asking the question, how are you? <laughs> There's so many reasons that we don't ask that question. I mean, first of all, in our society, it's a rhetorical question. Hey, Ashley, if I had gotten on this morning and said, how you doing? You would have said, good. How are you? Right. But, but in actuality, if I had said, no, Ashley, really, how are you doing? You would have said, oh my gosh, she really cares. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then it would have been like, do I have time to get into it? Well, obviously <laughs> she thinks she does. I'm not doing that well. My husband was just deployed. I'm having a yeah. hard time, but you would know, here's the big thing. It's called care and it goes way above kindness. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we, we do acts of kindness to maybe check off a box because it's the right thing to do, but caring goes above kindness. <laughs> caring is really caring about what your answer is and being there for someone. And, and by the way, there's some fear around, around that. And I saw that in my own experience in Sandy hook, literally when my 12 year old son went back to his middle school after experiencing a huge tragedy, losing his brother, no one asked him how he was no one. And so therefore he came home and he said, no one cares about me. You know, it's, it's, you know, and this happens for us big kids too, you know, when nobody asks and we feel alone and nobody's reaching out to us, we can easily think no one cares about me. No one cares that I'm in this situation, that I'm doing this, that I'm making this sacrifice for my country. No one cares because nobody asks. And so I really encourage even JT's teachers ask, how are you doing? And they said, but wait, what if, what if he says he's not okay and we don't have the skills and tools and it's not about skills and tools. It's about having the courage to be present with someone, to ask the question, to just sit there and listen. Uh, you don't expect somebody to have all the answers, but you would like to be able to share with somebody and to know that they care. It's so important. And yeah. 
that's one of the lessons that I learned. I think this is also a really important one. And I think this is also something that we need to just kind of be embedding and teaching as society as a whole. I've noticed over the years, and this and this goes through so many different scenarios where I think people are afraid to ask whether the person's okay. Like you see it like friends who have miscarriages, different things happen. And, and so a lot of times, do I say happy Mother's Day to them? How, how are they going to react? Are they going to react okay? Are they going to react badly? Do ask if they're doing okay. Like if so it's a much serious scenario, I think I think our society has has taught people a little bit to kind of mind their own business in in a sense. And so I also encourage our listeners to take a step back and kind of put yourself in that situation. Like, what would you want someone to ask you if you were okay, or how could how could you help and assist that? And you know, approach it as don't approach it as like, well, I've kind of been through a scenario like you. Just approach it as, how are you doing? Do you need something? And and kind of put it in their ball court. If they need something, they'll tell you. I think it really is important. And going through a deployment, like, you know, there's emotions going around right now that I can ask if they're doing okay. And they're going to tell me no. And I'm just like, call me if you need me to listen. I'm here to listen. I'm here for that support. You know, come to a Deployed Love event. Come to the events we're planning for just the company. And we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that you are okay. I think that's a great point because, you know, really we're not taught how to have these conversations with one another. And, you know, all this is social and emotional intelligence. And I'll tell you that I was an adult that didn't have it because I didn't learn it. These are not essential life skills that, that we have that we're born with. And so, you know, dealing with grief, I mean, right now, Ashley, you're grieving (laughs) and you're grieving on so many levels. We think about grief as just somebody dying, but in actuality, it's any kind of loss and you've lost on a lot of levels. And so it's, it's, it's talking about it. We're, we're afraid of it because we don't really understand it, but let's learn it together. And that of course takes me back to courage having the courage to have these conversations with one another, having, you know, and who knew that it took courage to reach out and to ask if somebody needs help. I mean, and, and by the way, I know because I was that person eight years ago that, you know, something bad would happen to somebody, they would experience a loss. And I would think, ah, well, right now they're, they're probably surrounded by family and friends. They don't really need me. I'll wait. And then it's like, wait, it's Valentine's day. That's not a great time to reach out. I'll wait. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas and it's like, well, too much much time has gone by and I can't reach out now, you know, that type of thing. I know that, but I also know because I've been on the receiving end, how nice it is to have people say, I'm, I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen in this heavily distracted world where we're losing connection and connection is, is love where we've been under these orders to, uh, to socially distance and we need each other to survive and thrive. I mean, Darwin said it was survival of the most sympathetic uh, that would live to, to survive and pass down their genes. And by sympathetic, we know he meant altruistic, generous, and compassionate. That's how we survive is showing up for each other 
with, with that understanding that that is survival. It's not competition and, and, and knocking each other out of the way. It's being there for one another. It's being compassionate. It's practicing our last character value in the formula for choosing love, which is compassion in action. And that is having the courage to, to be present with somebody, to, to step outside of your own busyness and distraction, even your own pain and suffering to be there for somebody else. And they're so, it's, it's amazing um, how that, you know, we're talking about strengthening ourselves, how that strengthens the person that shows up, the, the person that's practicing the compassion in action, the person that's placing the call, the person that's knocking on the door, they get uh, the the person that they are they're serving also gets the benefit but the benefit is also for the person that had the courage to reach out it's absolutely incredible how much benefit you get by having the courage to be with somebody that needs you it's amazing yeah and i think one of the hugest benefits to the military community is we have these abilities to know what they're going through. You know, a lot of other hardships, you're not in a community that goes through the same things. You know, your friends may go through some similar things, but not the same. Yeah. So we have these great military communities and deployed love being one of those that everybody that you come to and meet within the organization has been there. We're all military spouses. We've all been through the hard times. So you have someone to reach out to and you have battle buddies. So being able to know that that compassion is there, that's why we chose deployed love. Um, the love is there to bring back. We have a group called Hearts Connected. You know, it's a group across the entire nation of spouses who are going through it, have been through it and all of that. And sadly, I see in a lot of other spouse groups, the compassion's not there. You know, those seasoned spouses come in and they're like, oh, well, it should be that easy. You should be able to do this. You should do that because they've done it, but they don't remember and they don't go back and think about how it felt in that moment. And it's hard. I remember being a brand new spouse and those, some of those experiences that now it's like, oh, well, that, you know, that's no big deal. It's a big deal in the moment. And so being able to just kind of step out of yourself and listen to what they're actually saying and remembering how it felt when you went through it is so important instead of just throwing some blank out, out answer into the comments and just sounding like a know-it-all, step back and message that person be like, hey, I remember going through this exact situation this is how we did it. How can I help you get through it? Um, being a seasoned spouse that helps and not just throws advice or throws your knowledge out there and hopes that it helps the world would, you know, in reality, those comments generally aren't trying to help. They're just trying to show that, oh, I did it. You can do it. Um, so deployed love has been really amazing because we have coffee socials. And even this last one that Ashley and I had here at Bragg, we got to listen to the things that they were actually going through and how we can help them get used to the new community and making new friends and adjusting to the different things that happen at Bragg. Um, it's just amazing to be able to step back out of ourselves and not even worry about what our leadership positions are and just be another spouse that's there and going through the same things. And when you do that, when you are listening, active listening, when you're showing up, when you're caring for somebody else, um, it counteracts depression, anger, and anxiety. It reduces stress. 
It increases your self-confidence. It gives you a sense of purpose. That's what we're all looking for. Um, you have better physical, mental, and emotional pain management. Uh, it's good for your health and well-being. It makes you happy. It actually releases oxytocin and other feel-good neurochemicals. It's contagious. When people see you do it, they want to do it. And it, it actually adds years to your life. Studies show a 22% reduction in mortality when you do for others. There's, it's good for yourself. Who knew? So, uh, so, you know, that's also something that's really important to know that you're strengthening others and you're strengthening yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely love the choose love movement in, in deploy love and throughout the military community. And I've been really excited to be working with you now through a couple of times things. And I know that Ashley and I have a couple of things planned going forward as well to bring this to children. Because I think that if you sat through our webinar, um, you may think this is just something that's for the spouses, but reality is you bring this to schools. This is something that you kind of targeted for children and young adults as they're growing up. Um, so is there any way that you want to just kind of bring the end of this conversation towards how they can also bring this to their children briefly here? Yes, absolutely. This is actually for everyone. We have a lifespan program. Everything is no cost. So it starts prenatally. Uh, so when you are pregnant, you, you, how you respond to your external environment is actually impacting your baby's brain. So it talks about that. It gives you some exercises that you can do to take your personal power back, to feel um, more relaxed and calm, to be in control. Then we have an infant toddler because that is also a really, really important time for your baby's forming brain. And uh, for parents, to understand that I didn't, I wish I did for daycare providers to understand that if you give your, um, your infant or toddler to a babysitter or a daycare provider, print it off and give it to them so they can understand their little things that they can do to help your baby's forming brain. Um, and then we have a home program and I really encourage everyone to go onto the website, chooselovemovement.org and download the home program. You can do it on your computer. You can print it out. There are videos, there are fun ideas that you can practice with your kids. Um, this is called social and emotional character development, but here's the thing. Uh, these are skills and tools in our tool belt of life, but we're not born with them. So we have to learn them. And I learned these, a lot of these skills and tools as an adult, it's how to have healthy relationships, how to manage our emotions, how to learn from grow through and be strengthened by difficulty. Um, all of these incredible lessons and uh, we teach them in a really easy and fun, fun way. And it's, it's things that you can learn and do with your kids, activities. We also have um, things that the community can do as well. And I know that I am so honored to be working with Deployed Love. Um, I appreciate what you all do so much. Um, I guess in closing, I would talk about courage one more time and the courage that it takes to do all of this. We're not downplaying anything. It's, it's hard and it takes a ton of courage. And uh, when I think of courage, I think about my six-year-old son and his uh, standing up to the shooter who shot his way into his, his school 
came into his first grade classroom after uh, after murdering his principal and and uh, counselor right outside his door. And he saved nine of his classmates lives before losing his own. So for me, I think about Jesse and I think, oh, my gosh, if my six year old son can do that, then uh, I can get out of bed this morning and I can try to put my best foot forward. We all are cultivating our courage in every moment. And that's where you start. If you've listened to this whole program and you think there's a lot of information here, but I don't know where to start, start with courage and practice with your kids when you're home, you know, do your, do your breathing, bring yourself to the present moment. So you can be in a space where you can turn to what's happening, the difficulty that's happening in your life. So you can thoughtfully respond instead of just react off the top of your head because you're in control when you thoughtfully respond. Do your brave pose. I mean, there are brave poses that you can do uh, that are expansive and wide that make you feel good, that access your executive functioning in your brain. Stand for a few minutes like like the Wonder Woman that you are and uh, do it with your kids and you, you guys will probably break out into laughter. But Tell your kids, this is, this is, I'm going to stand here for a few minutes and be in the present moment and just think about bringing in my personal power. There are different fun things that you can do. And, uh, and, and the important thing is, and it doesn't always seem like it, but we're all in this together. Um, I love Rumi's quote, we're all just walking each other home. And to remember that, that we're not operating in a silo because that's impossible. Go back to what Darwin actually said, (laughs) what he actually concluded in his research. It wasn't survival of the fittest. It was actually survival of the most sympathetic. And that meant compassionate, altruistic, and generous. That's how we're going to get through this is helping one another caring for one another. And that is exactly what deployed love does. Yeah. Hold on to your community. And I know Ashley's going through it. And I hope that even through this podcast has helped her, you know, she's going to be able to walk out into the day today feeling refreshed, right? Yes. A hundred percent. I was actually so glad that we had this scheduled already on and I was like, okay, fine. I've got this to look forward to. And no, I, I strongly encourage everyone to look into this program. It's amazing. I love it. We've already, like we've said, we've already discussed bringing it to several different locations through different forms for deployed love, but definitely here at Fort Bragg as well. So, um, yes, thank I, Scarlett, truly, this is an amazing program. Thank you so much. Uh, It's a perfect combination, perfect fit for deployed love. And I'm so honored to be able to work with both of you. Thank you so much. And I think the timing was meant to be. I think we did have this scheduled to be recorded a couple of days ago and having it pushed back to the day that Ashley needed it, I think was really important to our family. So um, thank you so much for joining us again. And It's been really cool to dissect the program. I know Ashley and I sat down and learned a whole lot about it and being able to bring this into a way that it really works tightly with the military community. Um, So we've loved being able to blend our communities, like you were saying. So if you are really interested in any of this information we discussed, it'll be in the show notes, as well as you can look at the chooselovemovement.org. She has free programs that you can download for schools, families, and even within your community. So 
go ahead and go look and find things that'll help you within your family. Also make sure to follow Deployed Love on social media. As we were talking about, we have some workshops planned for children as far as the Choose Love movement to go forward with too. So we have lots of great information and lots of resources coming your way. Thank you for joining us again today. And as always, rock up, buttercup. Bye.